It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Find him on Twitter at Howard Beck. Read his stuff at Sports Illustrated. And uh, he's got a really fun piece it had me thinking all kinds of thoughts today about coaches and their legends, where they fit in with player legends and things like that. Howard, the first thing I want to start with, though, today with you is Gordon and I were talking earlier, and I co-host a show each week that focuses on movies. And there's a bunch of movies out this week that are from all different genres. What's a genre that if you just show up to a movie theater tonight, Howard, and based on genre only, you're going to pick that movie? Oh. Based on genre only. You know nothing other than the genre of the movie, yes. Um, suspense, like suspense mystery, somewhere in that zone. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Something that makes you think who done it the whole time. Yeah. Where are you on Yeah. Where are you on comedies? Oh, for sure. I just I, you know, I, I think I think those are so hit and miss. I mean obviously yes. every genre you can probably find say hit and miss, right? But um yeah, no, I love a good comedy for sure. Um I can't remember the last time I was actually in a movie theater. So, uh, you know, let me know what that's like. <laughs> they're opening it up back here, and it's – it's. there are certain movies you've got to see at the theater, I think. Okay, but, do we, yeah, but Howard, if I were to ask you the question that everybody always wants to ask, and it's so hard to answer, best movie you ever saw? Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> Gordon takes a couple weeks off. He comes back, and the first thing I've got is, like – well, he, I, I gotta, I've gotta identify like a like the like one of, this is one of those like you know life defining like everybody will think of you a certain way for the rest of your life based on the movie you choose. But we're ready to tweet it out. Yes, you uh, can change your mind. That's all right. Why is it Babe Pig in the City? <laughs> Home Alone Two. No, 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 no. Lost in New York. We yeah. know Howard well enough. I bet it is one of those movies that makes you stop and think and uh, maybe changes your view of uh, important aspects of life. You're telling me Babe Pig in the City didn't do that for you? <laughs> no. Open your heart, Gordon no, Monson. Didn't. I don't know. I, I always appreciate how much Gordon builds up my my image <laughs> to look way beyond what is actually justified. <laughs> I... Look, I'll, I'll, how about how about this? I'll just give you like there are the movies that when I'm flipping around, as we all do occasionally, out of boredom, and you stop on it, you find it, like you have to watch it sure. every every time, and like not necessarily my favorites of all time, but like these are movies that I absolutely every single time I will watch The Untouchables every single time. Ooh, good answer. That um, makes sense. I will watch I will watch at least some part of Shawshank every single oh, okay. time. Good one. Um, like those are just—it's—it's it's impossible not to. Um, it's too easy to say Die Hard, <laughs> but that's one—that's in there too. How about the God, um, How about I, the Godfather? You know what's funny? The Godfather movies um, came out at a time that I probably was too young for them, mm-hmm. and then so I've only ever seen them on TV and at a stage where it just—it didn't—it didn't take in the same way, and so like it's—I—I I understand they're. Definitely they're classics, especially the first one. Um, but it, it's not, for whatever reason, like it, that's not as much in my, um, like embedded in my, my psyche as much as, say, like Goodfellas is, if we're going to uh, talk mob okay. movies. 
Okay. Well, one thing's for sure. Your Citizen, answer is... Citizen Kane is out of the question. And I'm assuming, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, I was uh, 65 when I watched that back Were in, uh, back when... in eight, whatever. <laughs> uh, your answers, whatever you say, are always going to be more sophisticated than Chris Mannix. So that's, you can count on that. <laughs> well, that's a very low bar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I didn't mean to start this whole uh, off-season type convo, but let's move on to some basketball. <laughs> the Jazz sure. have uh, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets tonight. Nikola Jokic is so great and so fun to watch. Gordon, though, brought up an interesting thought. Do you think there's people out there that don't enjoy watching Nikola Jokic play? I suppose maybe there is. And and, and if we're going to take this recent conversation of all the pushback on him as MVP and all the people trying to steer it away from him, maybe that's some indication of a lack of, of appreciation or acceptance or something about Jokic's greatness. So I think that that exists. I, I cannot imagine that anybody who considers themselves a true basketball fan would not like watching Jokic. Now, if you're a jazz fan and he's carving up your team tonight, as he did the last time, I will understand if, if you don't exactly um, enjoy it, but I think you would appreciate the, the high-level basketball uh, IQ and the artistry and the skill and all of that. I do think that some part of the discussion about uh, around Jokic is about the fact that he doesn't fit our prototype. You know, we're used to, you know, for everybody who came up on, you know, if you came up on Magic and Bird or Dr. J, there's a certain, you know, image of what a superstar looks like. And then certainly from the Jordan generation on forward through Kobe and LeBron, we have a certain image of what a dominant NBA player looks like and plays like. And, you know, they dunk hard and they fly through the air and they preen and they, they put it in your face and they, they want to rip your heart out and everything. They don't look like big, doughy seven-footers um, who, like, he's kind of goofy, kind of bashful. He's got this kind of funny, uh, you know, self-deprecating sense of humor. Like, there's nothing about him that screams, you know, you know alpha dog, right? Like, we're used to, we, like, we want our NBA stars to be these, like, just killers right yeah, yeah and, he looks like a professional beer pong guy that's yeah, you're right he's a, big, he's a big teddy bear like so there's just something about him that and then besides that he's a center who doesn't dominate in the old school way you know the, the Shaquille O'Neal school of just put people through the rim he can work inside certainly but he shoots threes he passes he passes at a level that we've rarely seen in this league I mean, he is the best passing big man of all, big man of all time. Like that is already, I think, a given. And he's one of the best passers in NBA history, period, of any position. And I, that's not hyperbole. That is that is just you ask people who've been around the game for decades, they will tell you that. And so, if, if you can't appreciate that, I I don't know what to tell you. I think I think if people are are not appreciating that they haven't actually watched, like, or they haven't watched much because there's plenty to be entertained by there, even if he's not flying through the air and dunking on fools. You know, the context of that conversation was exactly what you were saying. He's a terrific to watch, and he's a fantastic player. And I, I agree with you, Howard. I don't know how anybody can appreciate it, regardless of what your expectation for the ultimate basketball player is. He's just a gas to watch and to appreciate. But like you say, tonight, uh, Rudy Gobert probably might not be appreciating everything he can do. But I wanted to get caught up with you, Howard, about I ask you this every time we have you on, and I missed last time. But uh, 
Uh, as your opinion of the Jazz, uh, is it the same place it, it always has been? You just need more information before you make any kind of proclamation, or have you had a eureka moment where anything's different? Yeah, I mean, nothing much has changed, and obviously they've been dealing with some injuries, and so you know, I'm not going to put stock in, in too much of what's going on while they've been missing guys either. Um, I, you know, I think we're in the same place. I, I think, and that's the thing. Like, <laughs> even in a shortened NBA season, seems long. <laughs> so. You know, oh, hold on. Let me dis- dispense with this call. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I, the season's long, and so he'll call you, know, you back, I'm, Mannix. Calm down. <laughs> it's, unless something dramatic happens, there's not much that's going to change your view of a team. Um, you know, sometimes a team will take a, a, a leap at some point. Something clicks. You know, or there's a big addition. Uh, you know, the trade deadline. Um, somebody goes down with an injury. We've pretty much known who the Jazz were since the first month, and I don't know that there's been much new to learn about them along the way. As I've been saying, you know, throughout this season, we will not really learn what we need to know about them in terms of their ultimate potential until they actually get into a playoff series. And the fortunate thing is that's coming very soon now. And the unfortunate thing is we have no idea who they'll play because there's a play in tournament now, and there's still a lot of fluidity to the standings and the jazz themselves have not established for sure where they're going to finish. They could still be, you know, uh, first or second. And, And so, um, what that first test will be, who will present that first test, we, you know, we, we, we won't know until uh, after the play-in tournament. Where's your current confidence level on a team like the Los Angeles Lakers? Pretty low. Pretty low. Um, you know, seeing LeBron come back after however many weeks it was and then immediately go out again and miss multiple games, not encouraging. Uh, seeing Anthony Davis the other night, um, you know, crash into the, the, you know, the table there and what looked like was going to be a, a sprained ankle, but instead ends up being back spasms. Mm-hmm. In addition to the other things that he's already gone through, not great. I think he's playing tonight, but you know, a, a really important game tonight against the trailblazers. And here the Lakers are with a, a, a hobbled a Anthony Davis, no LeBron, no Dennis Schroeder, who's in protocols and there's six games left. So, you know, that's very little time for LeBron and Anthony Davis to get acclimated with Andre Drummond, who's, you know, been starting at center since, you know, before, you know, since, since you know, during the time that LeBron was injured for the most part. Um, they're they're, they're in, in, in tough shape. And the thing is, we've always all kind of, you know, gone to this default place of, well, as long as they're healthy in the playoffs, they're still the best team. Well, I think that's true, but the, if they're healthy is, is now – you know, in question, I don't, I don't know how healthy they're going to be and they will have had very little time to get a rhythm going again. So the play-ins tournament may actually suit them well because it might give them the practice that they need with each other before they get into a real series. So the Lakers being in the condition they're in right now, Howard, if, if I were to ask you uh, to gaze into your crystal ball and tell us where the champion is ultimately going to come from the East or the West would you go east? Ooh, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. It, it's hard to say east versus west. You know, I, I just, to me, the, you know, the, the, like the, the Clippers to me right now are the team I would have the most confidence in, in the west if I had to pick a team in the west. But even as I say that, I know that they've had their injury issues and they're still trying to find a rhythm with, you know, guys who are in different roles now than they were a month ago. 
Um, you know, Utah and Phoenix have had the, the best health overall of the contenders in the West and therefore the most continuity, so they know each other best. In a season like this, maybe that's what carries you through. And in the, the East, you know, everybody's been focusing on, on Brooklyn the whole time. I'm not that confident in Brooklyn because of the, the very, uh, you know, scant amount of time that their stars have, have played with each other. Harden is still out right now. Like, you know, the, the volatility with them is even higher than with the Lakers, given how little time that their stars have played together and how many injuries they've gone through. So, you know, um, it's, I, I, I can't pick East or West because I can't even tell you which two teams. You know, if I like, somebody put me on the spot the other day, and I think I just said, uh, you know, Clippers and Milwaukee. You know, um, that sounds as good as any other combination, <laughs> I suppose. But I, I, I have no confidence in any particular prediction right now. The fact that you don't is actually good news, I think, you know, because you you watch this stuff as much as anybody, Howard, and if you don't know, uh, it's a good thing. There are some years where you can pencil it in before the season even starts. We just went through a period of time where people were, you know, kind of irritated with the fact that that the Warriors seemed automatic, and for a four-year span there, the Warriors and Cavs were automatic, and that had never happened, and you know, it gave us a lot of entertaining moments in the finals and, you know, a great rivalry to an extent, you know, and Steph versus LeBron. And, and that's, you know, those are era-defining era stars. But, yeah, it felt too predictable. And so the fact that you can sit here right now and say that there are, you know, I, I think three teams in the East, any one of them comes out of the East, we, we would be would not be surprised. They're all legit. And there are four or five in the West that has to be healthy overall. That is, and especially if if you're the kind of fan who, um, you know, would like to see somebody other than LeBron James or you know other than some of the stars we've seen year in year out. Howard, while we have you, before we let you go, I do want to touch on your latest uh, at Sports Illustrated. And Gordon, listen to these sources in this piece about uh, coaches and and their uh, attachment to players. You hear from Shaq, Isaiah Thomas. Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon, Rick Carlisle, Steph Curry, Steve Kerr, and Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe all in one piece here. Well, they're all, they're all in Howard's Rolodex. I, was I mean, or, or not Rolodex. Uh, you know, yeah, well, you know you, that doesn't reveal age at all, the, the Rolodex. But <laughs> Howard, this, uh, this idea of coaching mattering, but do coaches themselves still be, are they still held to that stardom like a Pat Riley was or a Phil Jackson? I want to know where this idea came from. What made you think of this? Because it's fascinating to me. Thank you. The story has been like a year in the making. And it was, you know, I actually started reporting this when I was still at my last job. Um, and then it got, you know, thrown on pause by the, by the shutdown, by the pandemic. But it just had occurred to me at some point that LeBron a year ago was on his way potentially to the finals again, where he would win a fourth championship. And if he did, it was going to be with Frank Vogel. And it just kind of struck me that, here he is. Like people kept talking about, well, he's going to be the first guy to win championships with three different franchises or, or lead three different franchises. And I thought, well, that's interesting and that's unprecedented. But I, it, it just got me thinking about the fact that it would be with different coaches too. And then, in the midst of all that, the last dance comes out, and it just kept hammering it home to me. Like, there's Phil and Michael, Michael and Phil, six championships over eight years, this long run together. And at the end of every championship, those guys are hugging. Michael swears by Phil. Michael doesn't want to be coached by anybody but Phil. And 
that was the dynamic back in the day. Isaiah and Chuck Daly had, had this tight bond, and they're the reason. Their partnership is a lot of the reason why the Pistons win two championships. And Akeem and Rudy Tomjanovich had this really tight relationship, and their, their relationship is at the core of the Rockets' two championships. Magic and Pat Riley, you know, Russell and Auerbach back in the day, um, Phil and Kobe Bryant, Phil and Shaquille O'Neal. And so here it is. LeBron's got three title or four titles with three coaches, and Kawhi Leonard's got two titles with two coaches. And if and if the Clippers were to win this year, Kawhi would have three championships with three different coaches. Kevin Durant got his two with the Warriors, and then he left. And if he wins this year, it's with a different coach. And the only still you know example of that old school model where a coach and a superstar are at the core of a of a of a, a repeat champion or you know a, a, a dynasty or a mini dynasty is is Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and I thought well their relationship's interesting and enduring and there's something to examine there but I I think it's also the you know they're the, the exception that proves the rule and it'd be interesting to, to use that to look at this trend that in this era of shorter contracts and all this superstar mobility that the superstar coach bond has just kind of gone away it's not part of this the game anymore except for Steve Kerr and Steph Curry. And so I just thought it was, it, it, it was an observation. I, it's not even like a judgment. Like, I don't know if it's good, bad, or otherwise. It's just, it's just interesting to me that this, this old school model, this, this, this archetype um, that existed for decades seems to be fading. And what does that mean for the game and for the players? And so that's, that was the basis of the story. I wonder if it, if it were built from the ground up, if it might be reestablished. Cause I was, Trying to think of like if the if the Jazz were to win a championship, uh, Quinn Snyder would uh, he and Donovan Mitchell maybe or it, maybe if you have two superstars if if you want to include Rudy Gobert in on that maybe maybe the coach gets crowded out I I'm not exactly sure either. Well, I, I think it's a combination of things, and some of this is 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 circular, right? Where to have that first you need like the, the, the way I drew it up it's, it's more about multiple championships right so even though I interviewed Rick Carlisle and he had a good relationship with Dirk they won one together and I was more focused on like the teams that have defined eras right mm-hmm. so the Bulls of the 90s and the Lakers of the 80s Larry Bird by the way a big exception Larry Bird won his his three titles with two different coaches with the Celtics but most of the dynasties and, and, and mini dynasties as I, as I call the ones that had just two two titles were one definable superstar and, and one coach. So let's say that, that the Jazz win win it all this year. Um, if they were to win another one in the next couple of years, and it's still Quinn and it's still Donovan Mitchell, and especially because of the, the role that, that Mitchell plays, right? He is more of the, the – the, uh, fits the, the, the prototype of, like, the superstar who kind of drives the, the, the train because – He's got the ball in his hands, and he's a scorer. So it's probably him more than, than Rudy. Like you, and, and besides that, the coach and the whoever your primary ball handler is, whether it's a point guard or whether it's a, you know, a player like LeBron, like that relationship matters a lot because you need to be on the same page, the guy who's controlling the offense and the coach. So it probably would be Quinn and Donovan, but also, all right, well, how, how tight are they? How tight will they grow over that time? Um, how much do those championships bond you together? And – you know, again, this is kind of, you know, it's only that we can only define these things in retrospect after the fact and look back and say, oh, yes, you know, Magic and Pat Riley had this, this incredible bond. It's partially because of everything they went through, both the, the, the successes and the failures. Um, but at the end of it all, they have all these titles together and, and, it, and it really did bond them for life. 
He's Howard Beck. He joins us each and every Friday at 4 o'clock for the NBA Daily Assist. Howard, thanks so much. We'll do it again next week. Jake will be back, so I'll uh, I'll talk to you just from behind the yeah, glass. Did you hear about that, Howard? Jake had a baby girl. Uh, congrats, Jake. Yeah. Make sure to pass along my, uh, my warm wishes and uh, look forward to speaking to you guys next week. Thanks, Howard. One of the best. Howard Beck, good guy and great journalist, great writer.